Okay, here we go. Welcome to the Essential Training Podcast with me, your host, Brian Kingston. <laughs> and I'm sitting here in the Fox Cafe in Greystones with the owner, Claire, and we're going to have a chat. And I'm excited for this conversation because Claire and I, well, we go way back uh, and our friends through friends of friends through living in the area. And thank you for being our first guest. You're the first guest? Well, like my dad's yeah. a guest, I suppose. Um, so, well, thank you for being our second guest. Or, yeah. And, yeah, I just was excited to chat with you because I'm a very happy customer of the Fat Fox, both the drive through, well, especially the drive through during COVID when I came home a summer. And now I love coming to the Fat Fox. And just I follow you on social media, your brand. And I just felt like this would be a great chat. So we'll see where it goes. And, uh, and yeah, so maybe for people, you know, for the people that maybe don't know what this is or who you are, maybe give yourself, if you could give a bit of an introduction to who you are, um, kind of feels a bit like, tell us about yourself, you know, in a job interview, but you can, you can take, take with that with what you will. Okay. So here's our, here's the mic. It's actually more like a wand, first of all. <laughs> Brian will put a photo on his social media. <laughs> um, so my name is Claire. Um, yes, I own the Fat Fox. We started in 2016 and we originally had a cafe on a little street called Camden Row in Dublin. Um, and then in 2018, we closed the doors there and had a bit of a, I would say, six to eight month hiatus um, where we moved location to a really small and when I say small it's a six by four box um which was a little petrol station and we opened a drive through there in Delgany and uh, now we have a cafe in Greystones and we also have a cake studio in Cashel um and yeah we're like a very small team which makes everything in-house we make our all all our own coffees uh, we roast our coffee, we make cakes, and that's really it. Anything else? <laughs> I don't think I don't think I have anything else to say. Okay, well, thanks for listening to the podcast. <laughs> 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 uh, lovely, well said. Uh, that just reminded me, I was down in Waterford yesterday visiting friends, and I called, I've been trying to get Hurley's for ages, and I called into a local place that that is beside where my friends live. And um, I went in and your man makes all the Hurleys handmade. And he, he bought a machine a few years ago to make like five Hurleys at a time. And he scrapped it and he went back to making them handmade um, because they were kind of coming out wrong and not how he liked it. And he preferred making them handmade. And my initial reaction was like, well, if, if people must look way prefer a handmade Hurley. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you know, when I was asking her about the Hurleys, uh, you know, she was like, would you like a, would you like a cork Waterford Hurley or a Kilkenny something, a Wexford Hurley or whatever? And I was like, well, I don't know the difference between what those are. Can you tell me what they are? And she showed me the two and one has a bigger boss than the other with the boss is like the bit that you hit the ball with. And it was just like, it was a class experience. And maybe from, I don't know traveling or being around the world 
I'm now at home realizing there is people all over this country with that have class stories to tell and they're doing amazing things. And I would have never even stepped into a Hurley shop before, but I kind of went away and became more Irish than the Irish, you know, the way that happens. And then, and then now I feel like those interactions are, I cherish those interactions. Maybe it's because of COVID as well. And it's cool to hear you describe the fat fox because you know when you say we make all our own cakes in house and things like that I'm like that's so cool and that's what it brought up for me was that experience yesterday with the Hurleys and same thing with you guys and your cakes and coffees and the clothing brand like the hat you have on and stuff um so yeah that's interesting you say that because I think uh, especially nowadays, people don't mind. Like he probably has to charge a little bit more because he makes it by hand, but people don't mind charging more and paying more if they know the quality's there. Or if, for example, I know like here, we're probably on the higher scale of charging customers, but I know that we make we roast our own coffee in-house. We make our own cakes in-house. We also give a really good service and like that interaction with customers, explaining the story and um, taking that time is what builds the community. But it also, I think, then brings it back to somewhere where you're being educated of where things are coming from. Um, and it's not just going to a shop, buying a cake, which you have no idea where the ingredients are coming from. Like all of our eggs come from Wicklow. All of our butter comes from Cork, you know, so we're using local ingredients as local as we can to the area, as well as providing, I think, a good in-house service. And why do you think people, why, like, I'm noticing people care about that stuff way more. Like, why do you think that is? I think people are more educated nowadays um, on where things are coming from. Um. But also, I think, like you said, COVID has, COVID gave people the time to educate themselves as well as research things. Um, And like, we're a very community focused business. We always have been. I love interacting with customers. Like, if you were to say I couldn't do that anymore, I don't think I would enjoy my job as much. I love my job, but that is like the one thing I love Mm. is interacting with people, meeting new people. Like, I would say like 70% of our customers I would call friends which is a pretty good thing uh yeah it's nice and like those are the things that I think having a face-to-face business as well and that interaction makes you kind of a little bit more unique as well is like building that relationship with the customer that they want to come back you don't just ask them how they how their day is you ask them how their holiday was last week you remember that they were on holiday that they went to France you remember that they have two kids you you know like all of those things their mother might have been sick and those interactions then build a bigger relationship so he's maybe told you about the hurley he makes Mm. but you might go back then and buy your next hurley of him and he might remember you he might not Mm. but he might and you might have said something that one time which then makes you think oh god i was really special or like you know that small interaction you might not have spoken to anybody that day and you went in and you had a great reaction and you left with like a smile on your face Mm. And that can be anywhere. That can be here. It can be walking down the street and smiling at someone and like having that small interaction. Um, I'm going really off topic here now, but you know, I think that kind of adds to 
the like special thing that we have here mm. you know yeah um yeah that was something i definitely miss in covid is yeah. those little interactions and i don't think i realized how much that sustained me until it was gone and yeah zoom great facetime great but like there is something special about being in someone's presence that is very hard to replicate and being acknowledged and being then connected with and then finding other connections and we're great in ireland going oh your man is friends with your man and he was here and you know i mean in dublin and south dublin it's like oh they went to school with them <laughs> like <laughs> yeah yeah uh but in ireland in general it's you know and a friend of mine i used to do uh teenage emotional development workshops with an organization called soar um and we used to go to around to transition years and we used to host uh, three-hour workshops where we would bring the year group on like a journey and allow them the space to speak about what was actually going on for them now i trained to be a facilitator but i never actually went to be a full-time facilitator um there's a guy called ronan conway he's doing amazing work now in corporations bringing that what he's learned from there into the corporate world and i'm his friends we all forged a pretty deep connection through that because we had to learn about ourselves as we're going through the training that was actually part and parcel of it so we all formed a really strong connection there because we were being very vulnerable in these training sessions and these workshops um and why i say that is because i recently met a friend of mine who was living abroad and uh he was living in malaysia and he was working a lot with expats and the aussies and the english couldn't figure out how to work with the locals but he and a few other lads had kind of figured it out and what he put it down to was that they're also a post-colonial nation right so we in ireland are a post-colonial country from the british and we communicate circuitously you know freud said the irish are impervious to psychoanalysis because we're a bit mad like i mean we're sitting in your roastery and i'm holding <laughs> A stick with microphone up to it like we're a bit mad sorry and why i'm saying all that is because what he said to me which has really stuck to me and it was a few months ago what he figured out working with malaysians it was like working with ireland with irish people is things are done business is done through relationships and that's true in ireland it feels like tenfold in the other countries now Again, that's just my observation and like anecdotal, but it just seems in Ireland when you can go, when you can quote unquote play someone, go, oh yeah, I know them because they know them and their cousins, sons, brother, da 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 da. There's a there's an instant trust there because because you have those connections, yeah. and it sounds like, and I can see from coming into the coffee shop that that's there. I mean, I feel like every time I come in here, there's someone that I know or that that you recognize or that knows someone else and uh there's a part of ireland that that's kind of that could get tiring that that irishness of everyone knows everyone's business and i suppose that's probably why i felt like i needed to leave and break free from that for a while but now coming back to it it's like wow this is gold having this that's interesting you say that because 
yes, I totally agree with all that. And it definitely is, I think, a big part of our business. But it's also a big part of the coffee community as well. Or I think kind of the business that we're in, like you were in Tremor. I know you were in Seagull Bakery. I know the guys really well. You know, they're in Waterford. We're in Wicklow. Yet, like, we're friends. Mm. Um, And you have that, I think, it's really unique, I think, to this probably business. And it's really special. I cherish it. Um, Like, I know that we spoke yesterday about Bread 41 is opening across the road. Owen McCluskey owns it. Very good friend of mine. Um, I'm delighted he's opening across the road. Like, I think it's just going to bring more people to the area. I think it's like a growing area. It needs growing businesses. It needs like the infrastructure put there for those people. Um, And I think that is something that I don't think, not that I don't think a lot of people would agree with, but I don't think a lot of people have the same ethos maybe. Um, And I think it's really special. I think that having that community where you know other businesses you know the businesses owner you know their story and like you're saying knowing people's names or um knowing not their actual business Mm. but like um is really special because I think that's kind of what creates a community then within the business group as well and helps and if you have a problem you might not know the solution so you can ring someone and say you know I have this issue. I don't really know how to go about it. Could you help me? Mm. Um, and that's, I think, also why this business has been a success is that I pick up the phone and I ring those people. Yeah. yeah. And I have no problem. Um, like Colin Harmon from 3FE, he has been a great mentor to me over the years. Um, and like, we would have been classified as competitors when we had the shop in town. But we're not in my eyes and mm. um, we're friends we're in the same business but that bounces off each other um and when we were in camden row there was a coffee shop called meet me in the morning um, around the corner from us it's an unbelievable cafe and like the running joke in dublin at the time was that when we left they were sad that they were losing their competition but they were actually losing friends more than that mm. um so i think that's something special as well in this kind of industry. And, you know, bringing it to brass tacks, they're losing footfall to the area as well. Yeah. And that's so important. So important. Um, you know, I even think of the Harbour Bar in Bray when Platform, what's that platform? The no, Dockyard. Dockyard, Dockyard opened. How supportive they were of that new business. And, uh, you know, I worked for the Duggins and saw that firsthand. It's that <clears throat> kind of bigger picture thinking, you know? Yeah. And I think we try and embody that as well. And I take that inspiration from my dad. He was in banking for 20 years and he was part of, I was telling a bit of this yesterday, he was part of bringing banks selling insurance. And what a few of them did is they met with other people in other banks doing the same thing. And they were like, we're not really competitors because there's so much business out there that we can share best practices and we can create a little community uh, around this growing industry. And it's the same with what we do, corporate training, team workshops, one-on-one coaching. What I do what is different to what my dad does. And then what we do is different to what other companies do. And I think when we all have our own flavor, I think there's enough to go around. 
and I, you know, sometimes I think it takes effort to have that mentality. Like it, for me, at least it's, it's hard sometimes not to look at other people and go, geez, they're doing class. And like, um, geez, they're doing this workshop with this company. Geez, I should be, or I could be, or I could have, or I should have, or, um, and so I think it takes effort if for me anyway, to kind of cultivate that mindset. But I, I was doing, um, when I talk about cultivate mindset, I was working with a CEO recently doing sales training and he was over delivering on every sales call he had with his prospects, his potential clients to the point where like they weren't respecting him. And it would get to a point in the sales process where he would, there'd be a lot of excitement, but then they'd go dark, they'd go quiet. And it's because there wasn't a two-way respect in the relationship. You know, it's not, uh, he's not an order taker in McDonald's, you know, and all respect to that, you know, it's, but that's a transaction. It's, I want this, it's this price, I'll give it to this price, easy. Whereas like in software sales, often you need to understand their needs and the impact on their business. And um, then who, what are the multiple stakeholders that are making this decision? Who holds the budget? What's the timeline? And knowing that information isn't just how can I get the sale quicker? It's actually how can I work with my champion within the business to help them to sell this project internally so we can work together as a partnership? And what I was trying to do with the CEO was help him cultivate that mindset of this is a partnership and this is a 50-50 relationship where we need to respect each other. And when we treat it like that, I can actually be a better salesperson because I can actually help get the job done better. And it's so funny because, you know, part of my coaching with him, you know, he initially came onto the call. He was like, people are getting really excited and they're going dark. What can I say to them to stop and make him do that? And I'm like, okay, first of all, it's, you know, it's great that you're aware of what the problem is. Um, but actually, this is a mindset thing. This is how you're approaching this relationship. And once you change that mindset, how you say things and how you ask questions will all develop and will all change um, and will actually be more aligned to like a better business relationship. So it was just so interesting hearing you speak about what sounds so natural about having that mindset of collaboration, community um, is, you know, I think that that takes, I think that takes time to develop that mindset you know I think I would always, weirdly I think I always had that mindset maybe um because I don't think that I'm a very not that I'm not a very competitive person in general um but like even when I do things like I used to Irish dance okay fun fact about me wow. <laughs> um <laughs> and um when I used to do that I used to get really um like I love used to love going to practice but if it came to a competition I would get myself in such a heap I was so nervous and because I didn't like competing and it was I don't know I, like I thought I was good enough to win and I usually did or I'd come second maybe uh sometimes I didn't win <laughs> no but it wasn't that good, good, job. good job. <laughs> I am honest here <laughs> um but yeah, I, I, I just had maybe a slightly different mindset when I was younger even. Um, and yeah, like I think remember my mom turning to me one day and saying, do you want to do this? 
and she wasn't forcing me into doing it it was like totally my choice it was like do you like I know that you get like really overwhelmed or upset coming here do you want to do this anymore and I was like no I don't and she was like cool okay let's not do it what else do you want to do so I started baking really yeah um and yeah I'd like it was like she wanted to not fill my days but you know like when you're on summer holidays you do summer camps and different things um and yeah and I started baking and I would write my own cookbooks at home and I would um kind of like experiment in the kitchen rather than going to feshes and going to dance classes um and funnily enough, actually, I think I saw a photo. Were you with Christina the other day? Yeah. I can't remember Christina's second name. Okay. Um, in the airport. Oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So Christina was my other dance teacher. Yeah. yeah. No way. What's her second name again? You don't know. <laughs> anyway, so she was my other dance teacher. This is going really off topic. Um, but yeah, so I stopped dancing because I just didn't like the pressure and I started cooking. Um, and I started writing my own cup go- cookbooks and my mom just completely nurtured that and she let me cook dinners and uh, then it became I suppose a really nice hobby for me to um, like bake and then if my parents had a party I would be the server and I'd be like okay so you're having six friends over I will host the party I will serve all the drinks so at like eight and nine I was like learning how to pour wine properly because my dad would show me he'd be like this is how you you always face like the label to the customer so like say Joe is the customer you face the label you pour make sure the drip doesn't go down the glass so like at eight and nine I was like learning these skills from my parents um which then just became like a massive nearly obsession of mine that every party that they would have I would make sure that I wasn't at a friend's house and that you know I had like my hair washed and I got like put on a nice outfit and they would arrive at the door and I'd be like hi welcome (laughs) and it was like nearly like a game for me uh and then I started cooking the food for their dinner parties and then it just kind of transitioned from that but you know it was it was a thing that like my mom didn't want to force me into doing something I, I didn't want to do when I was younger and it was like something that I really really appreciate now because then I became like in love with food in love with the service industry and then when I came to do my leaving cert it was just like a natural thing when my mom asked me what I wanted to do she was like you know you love cooking why don't you do culinary arts and it was like just such a natural transition for me I like I knew exactly what I wanted to do well the thing that I'm curious about is Irish dancing to cooking like what how did that happen like initially you know so I think like most girls in Ireland when they were younger, especially like when I was growing up, everybody did Irish dancing. It was just a thing you did. Um, and then my best friend at the time, her mum was an Irish dancing teacher. So I would go, when my parents were at work, I would go, she would pick me up from school and I would go to their house. So it was like a natural thing that I kind of fell into. I didn't necessarily have the love for it, but it was like just a natural transition. And then the day that I think my mom asked me what I wanted to do, like I wasn't, not that I wasn't into sports, but I loved tennis, but like I was never really mad into hockey or 
soccer or football or like you know all those things and I wasn't really sporty so it was like trying to find something that I did like and you know my mum is a really good baker and like I used to like kind of help her when I was younger but it was something that she then kind of allowed me to progress a little bit further and to experiment a little more and you know dirty her kitchen every Saturday rather than going to dance class that's really special. Yeah, really. And like, I really, really, I, maybe I haven't told you that. So, mom, if you're listening, I really, really appreciate it. <laughs> you know? I won't say it to your face, but I'll say it. <laughs> no, I will. I'll, te- I'll bring her down after this and tell her. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's special. And that's kind of how then this all happened. So it naturally fell into place. But I suppose it was nurtured from a very young age. Nice. That's so nice. Thank you so much for sharing that story. That's so nice. Um, I don't know what to say. I mean, our parents have a lot to answer for, don't they? Yeah, but interesting, okay? Another one. My mum's one of 11, okay? Really big family. She's the eldest. And um, when they were growing up, I suppose in those days you know, the eldest had to go and work straight away. And not that she didn't get the opportunity to go to college, but it was nearly like, oh, instead of going to college, you'll just, you'll just find a job. So I think my mom really wanted to do what I'm doing now. So like, she's great in the sense that if I'm ever under pressure, she'll come down and she'll like, be like, do you need a hand? Like I can wash dishes. Or when we were opening here in Greystones, she came in like two days before and I was going to hire someone to come in and deep clean the kitchen. And she came in and I mean, on her hands and knees, I have photos and videos, scrubbed the place, like scrubbed the kitchen to like top to bottom. It was incredible. Um, But I think she, and she's told me this before, she would have loved to have had a cafe maybe. Mm. Um, So I think allowing me to do it. I remember when I told her I wanted to open my own business. My dad had had his own business and both of them sat me down and they were like, are you sure you want to do this? You know, the tough question, you know, that your dad comes home like at eight and nine o'clock every night and he's back out the door at half six the next morning. He works Saturdays, you know, when he's on holidays, he's answering phone calls. Like, do you want that to be your life? And it was a real like tough question for them to ask me. And I answered within like one second. Yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah. I just knew that it was meant for me. Um, And I didn't, I like, I really respect my dad. Um, He worked really, really hard in his business. Um, And I suppose being like you in it from a really young age gives you an understanding of then what you have to do. when you do it yourself and I think I said this to you yesterday like I'm a a serious grafter like I don't mind doing 100 hour weeks um it is as I get older slightly more difficult Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I definitely feel it a little bit more like when you're on your feet all day every day it's definitely a different tiredness um how does that crafting look well like you know I get up in the morning and I could have at a five o'clock like four messages from people either calling in sick or like a delivery not coming in or you know so you're on the go straight away um and especially probably when we open graystones do you know 
Delgny was really, really busy. So that was seven days a week. We opened 363 days a year. Um, like last year, we even opened on Christmas Day. Um, so it's always on the go. And when we opened Greystones, as I said, you know, you have another shop to look after as well as this. Um, and the ball was spinning so fast that we were investing in different parts of the business. We opened a taco truck. So I was waking up at five. I was coming in here. I was getting the kitchen set up and the girls set up. I was then going up and doing a delivery to Delgany. I was coming back. I was working a shift in the cafe until four. Then the Paco's Tacos opened. I would go into the back. I would do my second shift. Maybe one of the guys was called in sick. I'd have to hop into the truck and serve till nine. Then you have to clean down. <laughs> you have to shut everything down. But by the time you get home at half 10, 11, you're on a buzz from service that you're like, oh, I can't sleep. So you might, you know, stay up for half an hour, 40 minutes, then go back to sleep. And then you're back up at half five the next morning. So it's like a, it's, it's an intense time. Yeah. Th- thanks for sharing that. Like, um, sounds very intense. And this is where I have a question. Like that's for me, you know, okay. because, you know, I'm six or seven months now into full time doing this work uh, with essential training and it doesn't feel like work just like the first time properly properly that I can say that like there's been lots of jobs where I'm like this is cool you know as a soccer coach in Canada and like you know I get to but then like you know seven or eight hours playing soccer I was like that's enough of that like um but this is so diverse and everyday changes and um but like last night now you know I came home and I was up to high dough as my mom would call it like um and in a good way, like I was buzzed, you know, I was buzzed because I had met four or five people, all really interesting, engaging conversations with a lot of potential for a lot of collaboration in the future. And in between that, I was making a document for my dad that he wanted to send out to a client and I was editing it on the go. Like I'd park the car and I just do a quick edit, send it to him. Then he'd send it back a few minutes later. We'd say, you know, and then I'm going in to have an hour long conversation. and then. And, you know, some of these are just coffees with friends, you know, it's not, but this is what I'm finding is it, none of it's work. Like it doesn't feel like work, but it's all work actually. And, you know, one of our clients who's a good friend of ours, he said that to me, he's like, I'm never selling and I'm always selling to his own business. Like, and I'm so excited by that, but I was also kind of like all over the place when I came home yesterday, like, you know, in a, in a, in a good way, I can't, you know, I need, it's important to stress that part, but like, then at the dinner table, like I couldn't settle, you know, and my sister's home and she was like, I answered a couple of questions. She's like, you're being very combative, you know? And I was like, I'm so sorry. That wasn't my intention. I'm actually just excited and I'm answering your questions because she was like, oh, could you work with this type of customer? I was like, yeah, of course. And it would be this price. Da, 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 da. And like, yeah, like, why would you even ask that question? We can do it all. And she was like, you're being a bit combative. And I was like, oh, I have to kind of check myself for a second. First of all, I was like, no, I'm not. But yeah, that was like, okay, clearly whatever, you know, I'm putting down is being picked up as that. And looking back, like, yeah, I think I was just so buzzed from my day. And I had loads of messages that I had to get back to. But I put my phone in airplane mode for dinner. And even I was a few minutes late for dinner because I was just sending a message to meet someone today. Like, so it's all great. But like, I'm just a little bit 
seeing that I need to have ways to be able to switch it off or be able to take a deep breath. And so like, you know, before meeting you, I just took a few deep breaths in the car. You know, it's mindfulness, it's meditation, but it's literally just a few deep breaths and deep or before, after I had a meeting this morning, just lay down a couple of breaths, right? Go, go again. Um, and this is my long-winded way of answer, asking a question of what do you or do you have ways to switch off or to have that balance? Because you've been doing it for seven years. So, you know, you're still going strong. So there must be some things you're doing. Um, so, yeah. Great question. Yes. I can answer it as well, I think. Um, so I used to be really like that um, and I couldn't switch off. It was like obsessive. Um, and it got to the stage where like every conversation revolved around the fat fox. Mm. Um, and that's all well and good at the start when there's a bit of excitement. And, but as you said, like when you get six and seven months on, when you get two, three years down the road, it does, I think it doesn't have a negative impact. I just think it, it is too consuming. Mm. Um, so in the last two years, like my life has kind of switched a little bit and I've definitely taken time for myself, which is the first time ever. Um, and, I'm my fingers here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I do now a few different things to help me switch off. So every evening, my phone at seven o'clock goes on do not disturb. Okay. Um, and I very rarely go on Instagram then, uh, even for work or like pleasure. Um, I don't scroll that much. Um, and the only people that can contact me are my parents, my housemate and our work chat. They are the only people and that's for emergencies and very very i don't think in the like two years that i've been doing it i don't think anybody has ever rang me mm. on those um times um and it has like helped me so much um i started sea swimming and even if it's like a two second dip in the morning i go down at sunrise um and I just take that time to myself, uh, whether friends go or don't, I still try and show up. Um, and having that like just reset at the very start of your day, um, you might have had a bad sleep or you might have gone to bed thinking about a few different things um, and things that have been playing on your mind when you get it into the water it just completely resets your nervous system mm -hmm. and I used to laugh and be like I'll never do that I'm not going to be one of those people and now I'm one of those people <laughs> and I love it <laughs> um but yeah so like my phone on airplane mode my swim in the morning and then I come up and I always have a coffee before the shop opens and it's at my quiet time in the shop I love it nobody's there it's like peaceful the baker like one baker will be in mm. but like they'll be doing their business and yeah I just have that like half an hour of just silence and I'll either read a book or I'll just sit in silence mm. um and look, they're look at the wall like. yeah I'll just like and I like and I probably won't like I don't know 
I actually don't know if I daydream or not. Yeah. It's nearly like a form of meditation for me. Yeah. Um, and I just have like that relaxing moment. Um, and it's really, really nice. Mm. Um, and they're like the kind of three big things now in the last two years have helped me switch off. So then when you meet someone and someone says, oh, how's business going? You don't mind saying, oh yeah, it's going really well or oh, we've had a slow week and have that conversation because, you know, the morning has been quiet. You've had that like reset and you're starting your day fresh. Mm. Um, and the same with the evening, like from seven o'clock, can't really be reached. Mm. So I don't have to worry about posting something on Instagram or, you know, doing orders late at night or replying to emails. Whereas like I'd be up until like 11 or 12 replying to emails when they don't need to be replied to at 11 or 12. You know, you'll find time in the day to do them. And if you don't, that's okay. Just put them on to the next day. Yeah. Um, uh, if that was a brilliant question, well, that was a brilliant answer. So well done. Thank you. Um, it sounds like what I hear from what you're saying is you give yourself time. Yeah. And once you have that time for yourself, then you, once you fill up your own cup, then you can fill up the cups of others. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine, Dean, he owns Off Grid and Bray. It's like a, a wellness studio, I suppose you call it. They have a yoga studio and ice baths and infrared saunas, and they have a few uh, like body worker therapists. I definitely want to get him on the podcast. And he shared something on Instagram yesterday exactly about that being an entrepreneur and you don't have to answer the email at 11 o'clock at night. So thanks for that answer because I'm going to take that for me. Um, and i also think you know the way you said like you don't feel like work now mm. i don't like i don't feel like i go to work like i love my job it doesn't it's not a chore for me in any way it's so enjoyable and i think when you have those times to really reset or to just enjoy what you do it's so much easier then to progress further in your career or mm. to do better things because you have recharged and because you've taken the time for yourself mm. but it's you only realize that when you start doing it yeah and like it rem- like I remember hating both of my jobs and do and having something like that um I was living in Toronto it was after when I did a year and a half around the world like backpacking and uh was living in Toronto and needed to refill the bank account because you know I'd spent everything going traveling and I worked in a butcher in the mornings from 10 till 4 3 or 4 and then I would work in a cocktail bar slash restaurant from 7 or 8 until like 3 or 4 in the morning and I would do that now it was kind of messy at the start but then how I did it was Monday Tuesday Wednesday I would work in the butcher and then, and Thursday, Friday, I'd work in the butcher in the mornings. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I do nights in the thing. So it kind of balanced out. But before I got that organized and I was doing double shifts in two different jobs at that time, it's the hardest I've ever worked. Like, because <laughs> um, you're on your feet all the time, dealing with customers, uh, wasn't my own business. So, you know, you're kind of, I was kind of. I was in it and I was really happy and I liked the people, but like it was a means to an end, you know, this wasn't my career. Um, and I used to, I realized, okay, I need some time for myself here. So I used to um, go to this little Italian coffee shop 
on St. Clair Street in Toronto and I would go there an hour before work. It was right across from my work. I would go there an hour before work and I would listen to the Blind Boy podcast. And he has a lovely music underneath where he speaks. And sometimes he'll just, it, it's actually always just him speaking. Sometimes he interviews people as well. And sometimes I would listen to that. Sometimes I wouldn't. And I would like journal or write poems or just write about our trip or whatever. And then that gave me a little bit of recharge then to go into the day. So what you just said, they reminded me of that. Um, so yeah, I feel like this is a natural, nice conclusion to our conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about or mention or? Okay. Yeah, it's a good ending. Strong ending, we'll say. <laughs> Great. Well, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. And how do you end a podcast? Do you say, uh, check out our website, <laughs> check out the Fat Fox uh, on Instagram and online. And um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. And I really enjoyed that. I get the impression that you really enjoyed that yes, as well. Right. And uh, yeah, we will see you next time. Or you will hear us <laughs> next time. <laughs> okay. So thank you. <laughs> Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Essential Training Podcast with me, Brian Kingston, and my dad, Ian Kingston. As dad says, hope it brought something up for you and gave you a chance to reflect on your own work and your own life. We'll see you again next Thursday. And as always, we're open to any feedback or suggestions you might have, what you liked about it, what you think could be better, maybe some suggestions for guests, suggestions for topics as well. So thanks a million for listening and we will see you or you'll hear us next week.